God's design for marriage is found in Matthew chapter 19. Jesus said, at the beginning, the Creator made them male and female. For this reason, a man will leave his mother and father and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Welcome to By Design from American Family Radio. Welcome to By Design. You have in the house today. Yours truly, Abraham Hamilton III, and I'm joined by my lovely wife, Maria Hamilton. Say hi, babe. Hey, guys. So we have once again commandeered by design and turned it into the Hamiltons, plural, corner. And we are going to start right uh, with the scripture that was just introduced to you in the open. uh, Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. And the word of God says this, and he answered and said, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man Separate. We are going to talk uh, during today's program, and this may uh, very well carry over into a subsequent program. We are going to talk about the phenomenon of leaving and cleaving. Some translation translations say, for this reason or for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave, <clears throat> excuse me, cleave unto his wife. I've mentioned this before, but I think it's it's worth noting that even though God himself creates Adam. God himself creates Eve from Adam. He is intentional in illustrating that the archetypal relational uh, circumstance that human beings derive from, even though Adam has no biological father, no biological mother, God himself sovereignly announces that for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. He makes this statement. Yahweh makes this statement in reference to the marital union because he alone defines it. He creates it. He created it. He alone defines it. And so in defining marriage, God announces for this cause, the the, the one flesh union, the man being joined to his wife, shall a man leave his father and mother. There's no ambiguity there. There's no vagueness there. The unit that the man who would be a husband derives from is a father and a mother. All right. The unit that the would-be wife derives from is a father and a mother. The Greek text is clear on this. And then the two who originate from two separate familiar units, if you will, or bands, the would-be husband comes from a band, the would-be wife comes from a band, all right? Those two leave those bands, and then they are joined to one another, cleaving to one another, and the two become one flesh, creating a brand new band. This is where we get the modern terminology, husband, or some people describe it as a house band, that you leave the the familial units of origin, if you will, and you create a brand new family of origin between a husband and a wife. Why are we talking about this today? Man, I think it's very important that we cover this because... We live in a society where um, we don't understand marriage. We don't understand even how to raise up our boys to understand 
housebending, if you will. Um, and so I think it's important. I think it's also important because um, our marriages, unfortunately, are the main area where the enemy is attacking the mm-hmm. church um, because he knows the significance and the importance of marriage and a strong mm-hmm. unit and the two becoming one and then that and how that um applies to generationally, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the advancing of the kingdom of God. So that's, it's critical. Mm-hmm. And and you, you have that. And I say all the time on the Hamilton Corner that the first institution that God created was the family. The foundational rubric of the family is the marital union, the husband and the wife being joined uh, together. And uh, the one flesh union is, is there's an instantaneous spiritual one fleshness that is established at the the entree into the marital covenant, there is uh, the the physical nature. And, and this is something that sometimes people gloss over. Uh, but the Bible is explicit. Paul talks about in First Corinthians that, you know, when you're joined together, there is a physical, you know, there's a complementary conjugal union that takes place. Yeah. And then you have the spiritual reality of the 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 one the oneness that is made continuously over time. We talked last time here is very similar to sanctification, that you have the instantaneous sanctification as a result of the dual imputation, our sins onto Christ, his righteousness imputed unto us. There is that instantaneous legal transfer that takes place. But then you also have the positional or the conditional, not meaning that it is conditioned upon something else, but is indicative of the condition that we have, the conditional sanctification that we progressively grow in over time. The same is true in the marital union. There's an instantaneous oneness that occurs when the marriage covenant is entered into. And then there's the conditional growing into oneness that occurs. And and you said, and it's so true, it is God himself who describes the marital union in Ephesians chapter 5 as a living, breathing il- illustration. And he describes it by his spirit through the Apostle Paul. The marital union is a living, breathing illustration of Christ's relationship with the church. And then the Lord functionally describes the centrality of the marital union's contribution to the establishment of multi-generational witnesses for the king of glory. Right. That family is central to God's plan for making disciples throughout the world. And that's often overlooked. That's why we have texts like Malachi 2.15. What was it that the one God sought when he granted us the opportunity to engage in the one flesh union? He sought the preservation. He was seeking godly seed. Yeah. Ephesians 6.4, fathers, don't frustrate your children, but rear them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is a command. That is a command. People often think that, no, that's just a good suggestion. It's a command from God that, and I can go into detail if you want me to, but you maybe want me to settle down, explaining the makeup of the book of the Ephesians, the first three chapters being written in the indicative mood in, in Greek, in light of what Christ has done. This is who you are, but we were dead in trespasses and sins. But while we were yet sinners, Jesus Christ became a propitiation for our sins, that when, when we were dead in trespasses and sins, we were saved by grace through faith. Not by works. All of this is indication as to who we are in Christ. Well, the second three chapters are written in the imperative mood. They're commands in light of who we are, in light of what has been indicated to us, indicated as a result of what Christ has done for us. How then shall we live? The right. second four, cha- second three chapters are imperatives. Among those imperatives are the instructions for fathers to rear our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That text presumes fathers are married to mothers. Fathers and mothers come together and have children, and the command is for fathers to lead in ensuring that their children are reared in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. This is all within the, the marital context. 
Yeah, and it's that important, you know. Like God was very clear throughout His Word to in, to explain the order mm-hmm. and to explain explain the significance. I think that um, we do uh, our children to the service, particularly our sons, both, but our sons for sure. Because when we talking about leaving and cleaving, first you have to be aware that that is what you are doing when you are leaving your your home mm-hmm. and you are joining yourself to somebody else. Um, you have to understand that that is what you are doing. So there has to be some actions taken, some parameters made. But then also there has to be an understanding of what it looks like to be a husband, mm. right? And I think we're, we um, see too many instances where boys grow up to be boys instead of growing up to be men. Mm. And so they don't understand what leaving and cleaving is, nor do they understand how to, how to become a house band, Mm-hmm. And 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 it's I mean you talk about covering you know understanding how that significance of that when you leave and cleave and when you become the covering of a new house of a new band if you will of a mm-hmm. new household, um, all those things are important and unfortunately we're not really educating our children in, in that and understanding because we may not even know ourselves or you know living mm-hmm. it out and walking it out. Mm-hmm. Now so so talking about this and understanding the significance and its importance. Uh, we wanted to drill down a bit on leaving and cleaving because, you know, that's rather King James-ish right. of you. And how do we apply this scripture? Uh, but it's actually absolutely vital. Yeah. One, the, one of the fundamental uh, consequences of living in a society where there's a prevalence of people who grow up in single-parent families and or a prevalence of people who grow up in familial context where we don't have the examples you described. We don't have, uh, you know, uh, representations of what it should look like, what we should pursue. Right. And so the reality is that broken people actually often contribute to breaking yeah. people. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. And so um, what I have found, and, and I know you, what we have found, I can say, because I know you, <laughs> um, is that a lack of understanding the the biblical reality and the practical um, simplicity, nevertheless profundity, of leaving in Cleveland has left a lot of people frustrated in marriage. And let me give you an example of what I mean. So the Bible says that for this reason shall a man leave his father and mother. This reason is marriage, right? For this reason, being joined into a wife, shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined into his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. When a new band is created, there is a responsibility and a necessity that the husband and the wife understands that they now have become each other's primary family unit. Yeah. All right. When when I left my preceding Hamilton household to be joined to you, Formerly LeBron, like LeBron James. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you became a Hamilton, and we can talk about that, how some people don't even understand the significance of the marriage, the, the marriage ceremony, what it means when the father walks the bride down the aisle, and what yeah. happening when the, who, for, who gives this woman away. We'll explain a little bit of that. But foundationally, we must understand that we become each other's primary family unit. What that means, and, and you often have people when they, you know, give oaths, and express their allegiance to the United States, like judges or various elective offices, they they have to affirm that they will uh, protect and defend the Constitution against all threats, both foreign and domestic. And mm-hmm. domestic. Right. 
The same is true and analogous in that when the new family unit is forged, when I initially asked you to be my wife and you accepted that marriage proposal, when that proposal was realized in the public expression of our covenant between one another and before God, that we have now become each other's primary familial unit, which means that we are to protect our unit from all threats, foreign, those that would come from outside of our immediate newly constructed familial, newly forged familial unit, as well as from those that would come from more close threats, somewhat domestic, maybe from our immediate even relatives. Yeah. Who love us dearly, mm -hmm. who would never intentionally seek to undermine our newly forged family. Right. But in spite of those intentions, could end up nevertheless doing the same. So I said I would give an example. All right. An example of this reality is that when the, you become one instantaneously at the entrance into the covenant and the oneness process begins, which invariably when you have two people <laughs> who are coming together, different backgrounds, different experiences, different understandings, different awareness, that that oneness process can encounter some difficulty. When I say difficulty, I don't want anybody to read into my saying difficulty that it is a drudgery or that is right. this mountainous obstacle is that sometimes, you know, I think showers should be not as hot and you think they should be scalding. Right. You know, that that difference gives us an opportunity to develop our familial stride, our familial rhythm. But we could take that difference as an opportunity. And I'll play Maria for a second. Man, this dude, I just want the water at this level. <laughs> You know, what's wrong with this guy? And so there could be a knee-jerk reaction merely because of, of habit and familiarity to pick up the phone and call Mimi right. and to talk to Mimi about Abe, right. about me. Right, 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 right. Now, your intentions in that moment would not necessarily be, you know what? Today I have sovereignly declared that I am going to undermine the integrity of my marital union. That may not be your intention, right? but it can nevertheless have that consequence. Yeah, so I think we do that often, though, right? Because we come we do from, you and I no, not you and I. I'm talking about people in general because we people come from their familial units where they may be close to one parent, you know. And sometimes, like for daughters, we grow up having a close relationship, excuse me, with our moms, and you know they have the experience, they've been married, or you know they have more knowledge or whatever, and so you run to her. When your husband is doing something that you may not like or you don't know how to deal with or what do I do? How do I tell him? And so there are times when you can do that and it's not harmful, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's, you know, mom, can you help me figure out how to talk to him about this? You know, and it's it's in a way that you are trying to build up your marriage and you're trying to seek wisdom, right? And then from your mom's perspective, it would be that she's trying to make sure that you guys are communicating properly and, and, and in love and all that with respect. But a lot of the times, let's be honest, in our flesh, we want to just run and say, oh, look what he's doing, look at you know, and just kind of complain. And then what happens is that you are inviting, like you're talking about a, a foreign or even domestic um, influence into mm -hmm. your marriage that is literally you are cutting your like you're like I just picture like yourself cutting like your feet from under yourself. I don't even mm -hmm. know how to explain it, but you are really damaging your band that you are attempting to establish for the long term, I would hope. 
Um, for life. The, yeah, right. I know, right? <laughs> yes, for life. But, you know, just like it's, it's, that's a long time. So when you're, when you're working against yourself, sometimes we don't even realize it, yeah. you know, because we're inviting all these other perspectives. And it's not that you can't go and ask for wisdom, but you have, you have to be wise about mm-hmm. who you're asking for wisdom from. And, and you cannot allow for those conversations to happen without letting your spouse know. So, for example, with us, right? Like if you're doing something that is not um, according to the way I would do it or it should be done, and I run to my mom and I'm like, oh, look what Abe's doing. And then I never talk to you about, hey, babe, you know, could you consider this? Or could you, you know, what do you think about this? Or, you know, what do you think we should do in this home? Because the thing is that even though we're going to the the parents or the whoever was, in, you know, um, impactful in our lives prior to our marriage, um, you can take that. But still, what happens under our roof is decided by you and I. Like it has mm-hmm. to have to, it has to take that has to take um, primary importance. You know, I don't know how to say it, but because you know, my I'm not a wordsmith like my husband is. But um, you know, just understanding that at the end of the day, this is what matters, and the, and what we establish here is more important than what other people did or how they it worked in their home or what they think is best. You know, and so, but the, it takes respect, and it takes honoring the the spouse, and it takes understanding that that we're both in the same place, and we're at the same mission, and we're submitting to the same Lord. You know, and if we're working mm-hmm. together, I think people sometimes fail to realize that when we do that, and 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 the way I would describe it is, you open your marital union up for critique and criticism mm-hmm. by exposing the flaws of your spouse to your immediate relatives. Now, I know that's harsh. That sounds harsh. But it's true. But the reality is that it is true because this is what happens to just use that hypothetical example we started. So let's say you go and open our marital union up to your mom, who my children call Mimi, Mm -hmm. and you reveal to your mom the flaws that I have. Yeah. What it then begins to do is it causes, it shapes your mom's perception of me. Yeah. And causes her to develop a posture potentially, which is most re- pretty likely, yeah. to cause her to question your security in our marital union. And so the consequences of that, and listen, guys, these things happen. We don't even recognize that they yeah, happen. Yeah, and we don't intend for them to be malicious. Never. But what not, I picture, usually not. I picture a boat. with po- You're poking holes into your own boat. That's into what I your picture. Own boat. Yet still sailing. I'm sailing. Yeah, I'm on the water. Yeah, oh but, lord. But <laughs> shooting holes into the to the to, to your own ship, into yeah. your own boat, and so now me me sees Abe only based on Abe's flaws. <laughs> yeah, and when that happens, that creates an opportunity for more conversations revolving around Abe's flaws between Mimicita Maria mm-hmm. and Mimi, and those things that continue unimpeded, never corrected, never addressed, shapes that perception. So now when I show up for, I don't know, Thanksgiving, yeah, Mimi's perception of me is less than glowing. That, that makes sense. That makes sense? Is less than glowing. And so we have now introduced an impediment or an obstacle in our oneness conversations. And it's not to cover up. Or our oneness development, I meant, is what I meant Yeah, to say. it's not like we're trying to, like, cover it up and hide it from people or anything like that. But but if the goal 
because we have to understand what the goal is. If the goal is for a strong unit to advance the gospel, right? God should be honored, must be honored. Mm -hmm. And so if our goal is that, then us inviting comments and influences that are, that are extraterrestrial or, you know, outside, (laughs) outside of external, yeah, outside of, um, (laughs) of the unit, we really, what we do, we are really damaging our own boat, our own ship, our own goal. And, and, and then what we do is it not only does Mimi's perception of you change or whatever, you know, because really that's even like secondary. It is my own, right? Like yes, in this scenario that we're hypothetical scenario, by the way. Um, yeah. Thankfully, this has not happened. Yeah, Praise no, God. Lord God. Um, but so it would be for me too, right? Because in yeah. the flesh, I'm like, see, look and see. And my mom was right. And look, you know. Yeah. And so you're inviting all these ideas and all these concepts. And you are literally like you have you. The potential exists, and this is really dangerous, but the potential exists where you can, like, emasculate your husband. Yeah. Because what you're doing is you're saying, man, you're not all that. Like, you're not X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. And and you really are damaging your own relationship, and it's really detrimental. And then your children grow up in an environment like that where the respect is lost. And over then it happens, it happens over time. It doesn't happen overnight. It happens over time. And then it just becomes this big monster that you didn't intend to create mm-hmm. from the beginning, you know? It's very damaging. And you can get so lost in it, you don't know where it started. Like exactly. You can get so lost in it that it's happened. These perceptions exist. These conversations between Mimi and, and, and Maria have happened over and over. Now, Maria's perception of me is being changed between those conversations. Yeah. And these things happen. And so an argument can ensue over the milk. You left the milk thing unopened or yeah. whatever. When that's just the, the spark, but the actual kindling that's been built over time has been this exposure, this ex- exposure of, of of my flaws to outsiders. And I don't mean that as an insult, insult or pejorative, but they're outsiders to the leaving and cleaving newly forged familial unit. Yeah, and what happens is you lose respect for each other. And when that starts happening, it just kind of avalanches or whatever. Um, you know, one thing I was thinking about, though, is that when we are considering the understanding of housebend or or a um, a new unit that must be strong to sustain what the enemy is going to shoot at you and to sustain what, where the Lord is calling you to and the difficulties that you're going to experience, it has to be short. It has to be strong, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, re- the reality is that we have to keep in, into perspective that it's not only that we want our our unit to be strong for the sake of our peace in our home, nor is it for... Um, like like friendship or like make sure we don't fight or even for like peace within ourselves it's bigger than that right it's not just for like companionship like i didn't marry you just so we can yay kumbaya together that's a a plus and a bonus but that's not the primary goal of the marriage i think when we when we think that that is what it is then we don't see this as grave right Mm. but when we realize that marriage is supposed to be a vehicle that god is using to advance his, his kingdom to preach the gospel to reach those that are unreached to to disciple the the next generation when we think about it in that way we realize how important it is Mm -hmm. for that ship to be strong right we realize that man the enemy is going to come he's going to come from every angle and if we are the ones that are opening ourselves up to for an invasion then Mm -hmm. then that's it's really that bad right because Mm -hmm. god is this it's at stake right the future not necessarily just on your own but the future of the gospel let's say for particularly in america is at stake when you're allowing for these to open yourself up for all these foreign invasions to happen. Um, 
I think it's very important that we understand also that um, what it takes to be a covering, right? Because even with flaws, let's say with our hypothetical example, even with the flaws, you still are the covering that I willingly embraced when I left. yourself to. That's exactly. I submitted myself to um, leaving my old covering, right? Whether it was a good covering or whether it wasn't a good covering. The former re- one. The former one. Regardless of that, God's standard doesn't change, right? God's mm. um, God's perfect plan and perfect order and ideal design for marriage does not change whether we come from one that was a good example or not. Mm-hmm. And so I willingly submit myself to the covering to your you being the covering of our household. And so if I did that willingly, how foolish it is for me to now poke holes into that quote unquote umbrella. Right. Well, poke holes into into the very covering the you submitted very cover- to. Yes. Like I made the choice, right? Whether ignorantly or not, I made the choice. And so here I am. Of course I prayed about it and all that in our scenario is not that it was ignorantly, but here I am saying you are my covering. Like you left your previous, and now you become the 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 covering of this new unit, and here I am exposing you, who is supposed to be protecting me and covering me and leading us and our family to toward a particular location, and I'm poking holes into you. You know that's that's just foolish. It's not only that is dishonoring God, which is primarily more importantly, but also you are working against yourself. Mm. If as a wife, if you're doing that, so that's just an example, but. It's so true, and 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 I, and I have to take this moment and also speak to the family members that are on the outside of the marriage because sometimes it's a challenge for family members to adjust their uh, relational context with somebody. Let's say, for example, it's a parent. You know, this is your daughter you've grown up with right. your entire life, and what do you mean I can't talk to my daughter? Let me just tell you very plainly and as directly as I can, you're not helping the marriage when you give ear to your daughter's complaints about her marriage. Right. Right. I know that's tight. I know. You you you're not helping. You're not helping her in her marriage when you become a refuge because of an argument. And let me be clear, I'm not talking about physical abuse. I'm not talking about, yeah. you know, someone who's being who's being injured, someone who's being uh, even verbally abused. I'm talking in a general sense when the 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 more frequent and the more common, you know, disagreements, disagreements. between spouses. Right. You're not helping your daughter or her marriage by saying, oh, yeah, baby, just come home. Right. Because the reality biblically is home is no longer at your house. That's right. Home is no longer with you in your presence. Home is back with their husband. Yeah. So if you really want to help your daughter and you really want to help her marriage, you should say, sweetie, you need to have that conversation with your husband. Mm-hmm. You need to have that conversation with your husband. Same thing if it's your son. And 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 I'm talking about to relatives and even friends. If you really love your, your friend, you really love your son, you really love your brother, don't become a reservoir for him to complain to you about his wife. Right. Because you're not helping him. You're not helping their marriage. You need to be a source that says, man, you need to go have that conversation with your wife. Yeah. This music is disrespectful because we're just getting <laughs> warmed up. So, Mark, I guess we're going to have to carry this over to a part two because we literally are just getting started. We're talking about leaving and cleaving here on By Design because God's design for the family is best. And it's central to his plan, frankly, for the world. And it's important that you and I embrace God's design for marriage and for family if we endeavor to be a part of his plan for the world. This is Abraham Hamilton and... 
Maria Hamilton. On By Design, where it's one man, one woman for life. I guess you have to come back to listen to part two as we continue this conversation about leaving and cleaving. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. One flesh. We'll see you guys next time.